0: Good morning. I think I'm together. (laughs) Um, Welcome to Emmanuel Orthodox Presbyterian Church. We are glad to see all of you out this morning. And um, in terms of announcements, you can see that the Lord's Supper is before us this morning. So in terms of if you have questions, whether... Uh, To participate, uh, uh, there is uh, instructions in the in the bulletin for you. Also, keep in mind uh, once again announcing that we have Sunday school uh, people that are needed still to help with Sunday school. So, if you feel the the need, please see Norm or Kenta on that as well. Let us come together in silent meditation. Let us stand. You are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame let us turn to number 168 number 168 Our great God and Father, we are so thankful that we are blessed. We are blessed beyond what we can even comprehend. For thou art the God of heaven and earth that thou dost shine upon us through thy Son, the Son of Righteousness. We ask, O Lord, that we would come before thee as those who have been. Declared and made righteous through him. O Lord, receive our worship unto thee as praise and glory to thy name in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Let us unite with our hearts and our Minds and our lips, in terms of the confession of our faith from the Nicene Creed, which is on page 846 on the back of your hymnal. Page 846 in the back of your hymnal. Christian, what do you believe? We believe in one God, the Father almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic Church, we acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Congregation, let us come together in prayer. Our Lord, we come to thee because thou art the one who hears. We're thankful that thou art attentive unto us. And we come in our humbleness because we know that it is the Lord Jesus Christ who perfects our intercession unto thee, our Heavenly Father. We thank thee for him the one who has died and brought remission of sins. We're thankful that we come before thee as those who are cleansed through his righteousness. Lord God, we ask that each day we would feed upon his truth, the truth that he has communicated to us, in the letter that he has given to us, the Holy Scriptures, through the breath of the the Holy Spirit. We thank thee for the servants that he has used, those who have written thy word. And we ask, O Lord, that not only as we live and read thy word daily, that it would be that which has Residence upon our hearts. For we know that the promise is to thy holy Spirit that thou hast written the word of the Lord upon our, our hearts. and we ask, O Lord, that we, in terms of trials, temptations, burdens, anxiety, that we would be those children who always seek that word for its comfort and for its direction. We thank thee for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee for the elders and the deacons in this congregation. We ask that you would continue to give them wisdom and strength in terms of their service to the Lord Jesus Christ before thee and also before the people of thy flock here. We ask that you'd be with those who their families and we ask that you would bless their families in terms of their own leadership and also in terms of the sacrifices that those who are officers of the church make to the body of the lord jesus christ we ask that you'd be with ben and melanie westerveld we ask that you'd be with their ministry there in quebec canada We ask that you'd give them continual wisdom and encouragement for the session that is at St. Mark's Reformed Church there. Give them the continual direction of thy word and the faithfulness of thy word. Build thy body there. We ask that thou will be with Mark and Lori Wheat in Texas. We ask that this congregation would continue to show the evidence of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that new members would come and we'd also, O Lord, as they ask for thou be the one who raises up those who are good and faithful servants to serve as officers in the church. We ask that you'd be with Redeemer OPC in Calgary, Alberta. We ask that you'd be with that congregation as they now are without a pastor continue to encourage them through this time. Ask them also, we ask thee, O Lord, that thou wilt continue to make the fellowship of the saints among that congregation strong and faithful through this time. We ask that you would be with their spiritual care as they are without an over-shepherd at this time. We ask that you'd be with Kathy and John Huntsberger today, as they go to the Stratford home, we ask that you would bless their ministry together. Give those who receive it always the hope of the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. We thank thee for being with John in terms of his preparation. Bless that preparation and encourage those people that come to hear. We ask that you'd be with those in our own congregation. We ask that you be with Loeen Dickinson. We ask you to be with her at this time as she remains in the hospital for observation. We ask that the medical staff tending to her would have clarity concerning her treatment. We thank thee for Jan Shreve and the continual improvement even though it is slow each day as well as for Penny Anderson. We thank Thee, O Lord, that she was able to see the doctor this past week and things look good from her surgery, but the rehab is a very, very strenuous situation. We are so thankful to hear about an on trail situation concerning that there is no cancer. But we ask also, O Lord, that they could have a correct diagnosis, that you would lead the medical profession concerning the situation which is still addressing her, and that treatments would be successful. We ask that you be with Kevin, Debbie, and Jeffrey Donovan. We ask that you'd be with with Debbie as she and and Kevin today are serving her father, who has just recently been released from the hospital after being diagnosed with COVID and pneumonia. We thank Thee for his recovery, but we ask, O Lord, that it would be a strong recovery we ask that you would be also uh, with Debbie's brother, Don, who recently has been diagnosed with a heart issue. We ask that you would give healing to his situation and that the medical profession can treat him as well. We ask that you'd be with Debbie as she asks that she would be more diligent and stay in God's word every day and in prayer. We thank you so much for Kevin's business we thank thee for him as an employer. We ask that you continue to give him wisdom over those who serve him and serve those who who. Uh, so- who he is employed to to serve we ask that you would bless him and strengthen him we are thankful for that for his company and for the work that it provides we ask that you be with jeffrey as he is away at, at school we thank thee that he is there and we ask that he would be diligent in his studies and also that we're very thankful for the fact that the place where he works while he is in school works around his school schedule so that he can remain employed. We rejoice in that. We ask for good health for him and that he would grow spiritually. We're so thankful for Arnold and Stacy and Austin and Kevin and Jason Fokima. We're thankful for their lives and we ask that you'd continue to bless them and, and enable them to continue to be uh, prosperous even in this creation uh, in terms of their employment. We're thankful for Arnold and Stacy's employment outside the church, but also the services that they also provide the church. What a wonderful gift they are to us. We ask that you'd be with Austin there in Texas. We thank thee for his new home. We ask that you continue to believe with him in terms of his employment. And we also ask that you'd be with Kevin. He has a very important CPA exam this coming Tuesday. He asks for the congregation to pray for him uh, for that exam, and we ask that it would go well. And also, O oh Lord, as he finishes his last semester there at Dort, we ask that that would go well as, as also. We ask that you'd be with Jason. We thank thee for his life, and we ask that you'd be with him as he himself is considering his options after graduating from high school in the spring. We thank thee for his life, and we thank thee for also that you have given him means of employment even now. We ask that you be with Eric and Christy Folkema. We thank thee for their lives. We ask that you'd be with Eric, give him recovery from a bad cold that he has had this past week. We ask that you'd bring that recovery unto him quickly, be with Christy as well as Eric, and bless them in terms of their life and good health. Thank thee, O Lord, for Sandra Folkema, and we ask that you'd continue to give to her wonderful health and the blessings of life we rejoice in her her membership in this congregation and also also her instrument of being so encouraging to all in this congregation we are so thankful that the singing in her facility has begun again on Wednesdays. She rejoices in that, and we ask, O Lord, that that would continue as a a way in which also uh, encourages her life in her praise of her Heavenly Father. We also are thankful as she is thankful for her family and for her grandchildren. We place all these blessings, we ask you to continue to bless the household of faith that is throughout the world, but also also within our own congregation. Bless each one of us, in your name we pray, amen. Let us stand and sing number 169, number 169. be seated This morning we return to Mark's gospel where we left off at the beginning of chapter 2 in the healing of the paralytic Be reading from chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. The opening introduction of the message this morning, I will be, since we have been away for about a month, reviewing where we are, and then we will move into this particular text itself. Listen to the holy, infallible word of God. And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four men. And when they could not get near him, Because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they lit down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in their spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier? And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we ask that our hearts would be amazed this morning once again of this wonderful story. Let us also glorify thy name. We have never seen anything like this. It comes from the power of the almighty God who always serves the needs of his people physically and spiritually. In Christ's name, amen. As we return to Mark's gospel this morning, the drama of the story constantly unfolding has more and more information about the ministry of Christ and his redemption for his people, the church. The narrative is crafted brilliantly so that, the, so that as the Christian reads the story, it challenges the believer to inhabit A faith that lives. Mark's gospel is constructed as an evangelistic message in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, going to the ends of the earth. The remnants of Old Testament Israel will need to move out of their wilderness life by a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins, in order to surrender to a baptism of the Holy Spirit, which alone is suited for entrance into the kingdom of God. Chapter 1, verse 4. And the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit is none other than the person who is triumphant over the lingering Old Testament life in the wilderness. Yes, the life which upon its desert floor provides no water and no food to sustain life. The person of Jesus from lowly Nazareth is different from the remnants of Israel. The living spirit of God descends upon Jesus at his baptism in order to sustain him in ministry against Satan and his companions. Furthermore, for those who are baptized with Christ's baptism of the Holy Spirit, they will pass out of the wilderness into the kingdom of God through repentance and faith. In the good news of the gospel of God. From the beginning. The good news of the gospel of God was intended to go beyond the borders of Israel. Indeed Jesus started to preach the kingdom of God. The gospel in Galilee of the Gentiles. Chapter 1 verse 16. This message of repentance and faith will eventually stretch to the four corners of the earth, carried there by Christ through the Holy Spirit by the initial ministry of fishers of men. Those specifically chosen by Jesus to be his followers, to be his disciples, to be his servants of the kingdom of God in the church. Chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. At this point, Mark does not waste words. He places his audience in the city of Capernaum, where Jesus is teaching, in the Jewish synagogue, on the Sabbath, with an audience that includes unpleasant jewish scribes and a man with an unclean demonic spirit chapter 1 verses 21 through 28 according to mark they are seeing immediately something that is life changing they are witnessing a person with superior authority he is teaching he is preaching The gospel of God in light of the presence of the kingdom of God. His authority is evident in his teaching as well as in his confrontation with Satan by commanding unclean spirits to obey him. The Lord of the Sabbath has come into the creation itself as he foreshadows the entrance of the church into her final Sabbath rest. At the last sections, at the last sections of Mark's first chapter is laid out before us as those are laid out before us, Christ's good news power over physical ailments become very evident. The servanthood of Christ to his people, his compassion and his love is poured out before us. His touch, lifting Peter's mother-in-law is a foreshadow of resurrection glory, removing the serious fever by which she was struck. Mark later in the first chapter intensifies the drama of Christ healing by touching. He heals the leper by touching the leper by touching the unclean leper Jesus himself now enters on the basis of the old testament concept of leprosy he enters into himself being unclean being unclean and mark even notes that Christ assumes the position of the leper according to the old testament he leaves the town to live in isolation in the wilderness. Chapter 1, verse 45. Notice, as we read, we are to participate in the intensification of the drama of the text. We have moved from Christ touching and healing a serious To Christ touching and healing the disease that depicts more seriously the effects of sin, of the sin of the fall upon the human body, leprosy. But But the believer and the reader must not miss that right between these two stories of healing appears Christ's statement about the main purpose for his coming into this world. He is to preach the gospel of God. That is, he is to preach repentance and faith, which is centered in himself, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Remember, as we accent this point, you do not want to forget this simple point about Christ's own preaching. Christ preached Christ. Christ preached Christ. Preaching Christ will be the central task of his church until Jesus Christ returns. We are now set for the second chapter of Mark's gospel. In chapter 2, verse 1, through chapter 3, verse 6 of this gospel mark presents five dramatic narratives which share a common element what is the common element in the next five narratives controversy controversy the events depict in these five narratives are not necessarily sequential in Christ's ministry. They are chosen by Mark from Christ's ministry and arranged here to clearly point out the opposition, the opposition that Christ faced with respect to the good news coming into the world. As Christ's church and a believer in Christ, You, the reader, need to understand how strong the opposition is to the gospel. Especially to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. If you love Jesus, do you understand the cost of being a follower of Christ? Do you understand what it means to stand by Christ's side in a world that is absolutely hostile to Christ? Are you really ready, really ready to be Christ's servant and disciple in his kingdom? Are you? Are you? Well, as the drama of Mark's narrative is arranged, Mark wants you to understand very early in this gospel what the cost is to be a follower of Christ. Is your heart, is your life, Ready to fully be committed to Christ, the Son of God, the gospel of God. Well, let your hearts, as believers, be opened to this dramatic setting, starting in chapter 2, verse 1. As Mark enters these five narratives in chapter 2, there are structural aspects of the text that go back into the first chapter. After he takes the, the position of the outcast leper by going into the desolate wilderness, he returns now to his ministry where he returns now to the city of Capernaum. If you recall, Christ went to Capernaum right after he called his first disciples in chapter 1, verse 21. Well, the event here in chapter 2 parallels in many ways the event in chapter 1. But the intensity, the intensity of opposing Christ at Capernaum, picks up steam in the chapter 2 story. In chapter 1, verse 21, Christ is teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath. As you read, as you heard, in terms of our narrative this morning, in chapter 2, 1 through 12, Christ... Is preaching at home in a house. It's most likely the house of Simon and Andrew. Also, once again, as Mark notes, Christ is preaching the gospel of God, that is, repentance and faith in light of the coming of the kingdom of God in his own person. Now let's pick up with Mark's narrative in chapter 2. As you can see from the text, many people are gathered to hear Jesus preach. There's no more room in the house. (laughs) There's so many people, you can't get in the door. (laughs) They're in the doorway. That's the picture. No more people can fit in the house. In light of archaeological excavations, houses were single-story homes with rooms no longer than 16 feet in width. The roofs were strong because they were made for people to do their work on the roof as well as to sleep at night on the roof. Hence, Mark sets us up in terms of that situation for this dramatic episode. In the case of the synagogue in chapter 1, the man with the unclean spirit becomes the center of attention. On the other hand, in chapter 2, a paralytic carried by four men becomes the center of the tension. You know the story. Since they could not get in to see Jesus, they take the paralytic on the roof. In the literal Greek, this is interesting, the literal Greek says they unroofed the roof. (laughs) They unroofed the roof by literally, the Greek, digging it out. The four men then lower the paralytic who could not walk down from the roof on his pallet, on his bed. And the Greek concept here in terms of his bed is a poor man's bed. A poor man's bed. Now do not miss this phrase. When Jesus saw their faith, Faith of all five, all five of them. It's not just the faith of the paralytic, which we have a tendency to focus on and which we will, but nevertheless, all had faith. Then he moves to address the paralytic precisely with a most shocking, shocking statement. Son, your sins are forgiven. Verse 5. This incident is the first mention. The first mention of what saving faith looks like in Mark's Gospel which presupposes that these five men have come to repentance and faith in the good news of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is so shocking is this. The expectations are that Christ would immediately heal the paralytic. But instead, he forgives his sins. So far in Mark's gospel, back in that first chapter, people are attracted to Christ because he healed people and because he cast out demons. That is continually repeated. Verse 31, 34, 39, and 42 of the first chapter. Surely the words of Christ were not what the audience was expecting to see and hear about this poor, lame gentleman lowered down from the roof. Perhaps there were some in the audience thinking to themselves, what's the big deal about this? What's the big deal about his sins? This man needs the ability to walk. Where is the compassionate and loving Christ here in this very situation. Well, the scribes explode, as you see in the text. They explode in their hearts as to what they have just heard Jesus say to the paralytic. Note this. The scribe's authority was challenged by Christ's teaching during Christ's first visit to Capernaum, chapter 1, verse 22. This time, Jesus immediately reads the scribes' hearts of hostility. They now challenge the authority of Christ's ability to forgive sins. Why? Because God alone, only God can forgive sin. What Jesus sees in the scribes' hearts will become their fundamental accusation against Christ to be crucified. The accusation of blasphemy. You can compare 2-7 of our text with chapter 14, verse 64, in Christ's trial in terms of crucifixion. The scribes are correct, however, are they not? God alone forgives sin. And it is blasphemy for anyone besides the true creator of heaven and earth to claim to forgive sin. Here is the hostility against Christ right before you. What are you, each of us there this morning as you hear this, what are you thinking right now? Hopefully you are conforming to the narrative of Mark and you are saying in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, very God of very God. We said that in the Nicene Creed together this morning. Yes, indeed, Jesus being God, seeing true faith is truly able to forgive sin. Jesus is not a blasphemer. In fact, Mark's gospel will tell us clearly that Christ alone died as we go all the way through the whole gospel. He alone died for the forgiveness Of sin. Yes, only Christ does that. Meanwhile, Christ challenges the scribes with a question What is easier? To say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise. Take up your bed and walk. Verse 9. In terms of Christ's question, some may think it is easier to say your sins are forgiven since no one could verify the claim how do you verify in someone whether their sins are forgiven at that moment of pronouncement is there some way i can look into their heart or into their mind and actually see that it's short of this thing can't even be contested on the other hand you do witness You do not witness, excuse me, every day someone paralyzed and enabled to walk. And then suddenly they get up and they walk. It should be harder. It would seem awful hard to enable someone who is crippled, a paralytic, To walk. For Christ, however, he has the absolute authority over both the physical and the spiritual aspects of life. He proceeds to heal both. To heal both. In fact. He leads. He leads the discussion with this statement. So that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he proceeds to heal the paralytic commanding him to rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Verse 11. Both the spiritual and the physical are equally within the domain of Christ's authority and power. Authority and power. But there is no doubt The forgiveness of sins has everlasting consequences that go beyond the temporal aspects of healing the physical body. The paralytic will still die eventually after he is healed and his flesh will become dust. But his soul of forgiveness from sin is forever alive in Christ in terms of that paralytic forgiveness is more essential and more difficult because what good is it if you are able to walk but you lose your own soul. Let's make it relevant for right now. What good is it if you be healed of COVID but lose your own soul? Does that help put things in perspective? Are you seeing the increased hostility towards our Lord in this Capernaum visit? Are you seeing where Mark is directing you in your Christian life of being a faithful servant and follower of Jesus? A heart of faith. Is totally committed to being in the presence of Christ. That's where the men of faith placed the paralytic into the presence of Christ. A heart of faith knows who is its absolute authority over both their spiritual. And their physical life and a heart of faith knows that through the person and work of Christ consummated in his death and resurrection is the forgiveness of sins, the surety and assurance of eternal life. In our text this morning, the new an unprecedented element in the history of a de- redemption you got the word in verse 7 again immediately immediately is not that forgiveness is being announced by the messiah By the Old Testament prophets, but that forgiveness of sin is being accomplished, accomplished on earth in Christ. Verse 10. Well, congregation, we are faced. With the question in the text Do you view Christ as a blasphemer? By the baptism of Christ, the Holy Spirit alive in your hearts, do you not embrace? Do you not embrace Christ as the Son of Man who has come to take you from judgment into glory? Is that your faith today? Is that the authority and power of Christ that you are bowing before today? That's the Christ that came into the world on your behalf. Let's pray. Our great God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, we understand by the text before us, that Christ has the authority and power to forgive sin and also he has the power over our daily walk concerning our physical life. We thank thee, O Lord, that both are in his hand And that we bow before him and we submit to him in terms of the providential blessings. From this world, which is temporal, to the world that is glory. All in him. Bless each of our lives that we would live. In that assurance of his glory. In Christ's name, amen. Our next hymn, before we come to the table, is number 248. Number 248, parents, you are excused to bring your children from the nursery and at this time. Number 248. we come to the table this morning we are reminded of the Lord Jesus Christ and i just want to point something out in terms of mark's gospel as well in terms of our theme as we come together to the table we have seen that in mark as the gospel goes forth it goes forth in Galilee, chapter 1, in the Old Testament and Isaiah, we are told by prophecy, it is Galilee of the Gentiles. And so we have, we have a congregation here in which is the clear evidence of the Holy Spirit going out to the nations itself in bringing a fold, a congregation together who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. What a tremendous testimony in terms of us and in terms of the gospel and in terms of the work of the Holy Spirit going into the world. What a blessing it is that we are assembled together from various backgrounds and in terms of our own heritages from many parts of the world. What a blessing it is. Well, (laughs) Mark follows in many ways. There is a kind of relationship there is between Mark and Matthew. So they record much of the same points. But what I want you to see this morning as you come to the table... The intensification, we saw the intensification from chapter 1 to chapter 2 in the narrative. But also there's an intensification as we go from Matthew to Mark concerning the theme of the Son of God. Mark begins the gospel in the very first verse. That it's the gospel of Jesus Christ the Son of God. So when you come to Mark's gospel and you come towards the end of that gospel with the great confession as the centurion, the centurion, a Gentile, is looking at Christ upon the cross. You know what he says. You know what he confesses. It is in the holy word of God. He confesses that Jesus is the son of God. There's a kind of intensification of that confession. As you read from Matthew into Mark. Even though both Matthew and Mark record that incident. Mark starts his gospel with that proclamation of the name of Christ. The centurion, that confession is powerful in terms of what Mark wants the church of Jesus Christ as it expands into the world to confess. So all of you who confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you believe in Him in your heart, you are invited to the table this morning to partake of that blessing. If you are a member of a Bible-believing church, that confesses the Lord Jesus Christ as we see him in scripture, as also is found in the ecumenical creed that we recited together concerning Nicene, then you are invited to partake in the Lord's Supper this morning with us. But if you are living in unrepentant sin and not following the Lord Jesus Christ, then stay away as we have the warning in Scripture because that reaps condemnation upon our hearts. But if you are one who knows the forgiveness of sins and repents of your sin, come, be nourished, be nourished, For Christ is present with us this morning through the power of his Holy Spirit. Let us come together in silent prayer as you confess before him. Look into your heart and then I will lead us in prayer. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, we know that forgiveness comes in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is the cleansing cleansing blood of righteousness that makes us whole before thee. Bless our fellowship, Bless this communion table to be that in which the saints of God, those who confess the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they themselves proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ and his continual forgiveness to the day that he returns. Bless this, this Ele- these elements unto our hearts nourish our faith this day in Christ's name amen our Lord Jesus Christ on the night in which he was betrayed took the bread he broke it gave it to his disciples said take eat this was given to you as a remembrance of me. The gluten-free is in wrap if you need that. Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Our Savior also took the cup, having given thanks. Saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for the remission of sins, drink ye all of it. This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for the many, for the remission of sins. Drink ye all of it. Glory to the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We have the gift of forgiveness in christ bless us nurture us take us forth in the service of christ towards one another and for the glory of jesus in christ's name amen that is to stand for the glory of Patry. As we come together in prayer, remember that there are two offerings. There are two offerings. One will be the regular offering and then the deacon's offering for those in need. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, we come before thee, even in terms of our offerings today, with the understanding, O Lord, that thou art the Christ who has the authority over our spiritual and our physical needs. Bless the church, bless the giving of thy church unto the care of thy people and unto the glory of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. You may be seated.